You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. This is a long overdue interview with Alan Walton. He is the founder and CEO of Spy Guy. What's up, Alan? Not much, Dave. How's it going, man? Good. Nice to finally do this. We were just catching up before. I'm in Vermont. You're in Dallas. We can finally connect on this podcast. So look, there's a million things I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk about Tim Ferriss because I want to talk about... <laughs> I just want to know like... What happened after you went on that podcast? Like you had to have seen a ridiculous bump in something. Yeah, I got a lot of email <laughs> afterwards. I'd actually emailed a couple of people. He's had some guests on. I'm friends with like Noah Kagan. And I emailed Derek Sivers before the episode went live. And I was like, hey, what should I expect here? And both of them kind of laughed and were just like, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people contacting you. <laughs> and I did. Admittedly, I might have overestimated how many people would contact me, but it was a lot more people than I've ever contacted me before. Yeah, I mean, that was the most traffic we had ever had, you know, just like in a day. I was getting people messaging me, like friends of mine who were messaging me who saw it come up on their podcast playlist and whatnot, and had people that like business opportunities, people who wanted to sell me their business, people who wanted me to introduce them to Tim Ferriss. That'll never end, probably. <laughs> Imagine. Hey, can you make an <laughs> intro for me real quick? Yeah, a lot of intros and a lot of people who post online saying like, does anybody know Tim Ferriss? I'm trying to get a hold of him and then like somebody will tag me. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Al. Like you're just going to hop in on Twitter and introduce him. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> people try to go through me to get to him, but it'll never work. So y'all can stop now. Where were you at from like a business perspective when that happened? Like that wasn't that long ago. I'm assuming you, you had a yeah. pretty good business at that point. Like, did you have stuff set up on the website? Like, did you know you were going to get that and try to turn it into sales? Man, I'm trying to think about this because it has been like a little more than a year and a half, almost two years, I guess, since we recorded the episode. I mean, the opportunity came out of the blue and I knew it was a really big deal. Like it was a big deal for me personally, just because I've gotten a lot out of his work. Huge fan, obviously. I thought it'd be a good launching off point to do like kind of like a personal brand kind of thing because I like to think I have a good filter and there's a lot of stuff that I see on the internet that I like. I just spend a lot of time on the internet and... I like sharing what I find on there. And so I was like, all right, maybe this is an opportunity to piggyback off of that. And then from a business standpoint, it was also like, I knew that I wasn't going to see a huge increase in sales at all because people who need my stuff, like I sell surveillance products. Only people who really need my products are buying. People aren't buying it just because they can or because it enhances right, their like career. If you were selling like pop sockets, you know, <laughs> that would have been like a heck of a day, like, you know, some accessory for your phone. Yeah, I guess people like there's an actual like consideration funnel for your business. Yeah, definitely. A friend of mine put it to me this way, like there's demand generation and demand capture, right? And a lot of my business is just demand capture. People are going online, they're looking for hidden cameras, or maybe they think their kid is like a drug dealer <laughs> and they want to put a GPS tracker on their car. So they'll type in GPS tracker and we come up. Like they're actually already really interested in what we sell. And so it's really hard to advertise on Facebook, for example, and be like, hey, you should really buy this hidden camera. We think you're going to love it. And people will see that and just be like, no, I don't think I really need that right now. So the demand generation thing is just not our thing. But I knew that going into it, his audience wasn't going to be super interested. Just because I've had other things happen in the past, other media coverage, and I've seen it just doesn't move the needle at all for us. 
Okay. So what things have moved the needle? Like I know you've had a lot of experience on the ad side of things and I want to dive into that, but like from a marketing channel perspective, it seems to be that like most brands that find that, you know, product market fit or whatever you want to call it, they really have one or two channels. Like what was that for you guys? Yeah. Google ads has always been our bread and butter. Do you think that's such a good fit because of what you just mentioned? Like, because your yeah, product is such an intent driven thing, right? It, like where Facebook is more of an interrupted ad. Yeah, exactly. We tried Facebook in the past. It didn't really work out. With the Google ads thing, that was what it was from day one, right? I was previously working at another store. I quit. I didn't know what I was going to do. Decided like, hey, you know, maybe I should try working for myself. Take this knowledge about surveillance equipment, start an online store. This was back in 2014. And at the previous company that I was working with, I already knew that we were getting a decent amount of sales from paid ads, specifically Google ads, right? And PLAs. So those were product listing ads. Now it's called Google Shopping. And I self-taught on AdWords. And so I bought a couple of books on Google ads related stuff, learned how to build text campaigns, set up a shopping feed, that sort of thing. Yeah, just rolled that out, flipped the switch and was instantly getting sales like a few hours later. And so been riding that <laughs> for the last six years, I guess. Okay. Can we dive into that? Because I think most yeah. people, most people aren't marketing experts. And where did you start? Like you literally picked up a book, figured out how to run your first AdWords campaign. Like I want to know, like, what was the keyword? What was the campaign? Where did it go to? How did you figure out the budget? Like that's the stuff I want to know. Okay. I mean, this was a few years ago, so I don't know how, you know, yeah, maybe that's okay, it's directionally but okay, it. but yeah, definitely. The reason I'm asking you is because I think like a lot of people have this belief that like, oh, I don't know marketing. I got to get somebody to do it where there's a pattern. Every successful small e-commerce brand, like if I talk to somebody like you, the common thread is always like, oh, I figured it out. It's very rarely like my cousin was a genius marketer and they ran everything for me. Like there's always some level of like, you just figured it out. Yeah. All right. So I started Spy Guy in 2014. Before that, I was working at a different spy shop. It was an online store. I mean, if you really want to get into it, I'm kind of embarrassed about the story, but it was called Cheater Spy Shop because there was this popular reality show at the time called Cheaters. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's truly horrible television programming. It basically involved like private investigators finding out if somebody's significant other was cheating on them. It was probably in like 100 different countries is what I remember them saying at the time. So it was really popular. They were getting a lot of people that wanted PI services, private investigator services. But they didn't do that. And so they came to me to start an online store for them. And so I basically ran that shop for them. I didn't run any of the ads campaigns while I was there, but I did hire a PPC agency to manage the ads while I was there. And since I could log into the account, I would kind of see what they were doing and figure it out. I remember specifically going to a blog that's still active called ppchero.com. There's a marketing agency and they run this blog. It had lots of really good information. I went to it recently and it's still pretty good. They have a lot of great info about setting up accounts, how do you spreadsheets correctly when you're analyzing your reporting. It's a really good site. It's kind of hard to navigate, but there's a lot of really great info there. I remember listening to a few other PPC-related podcasts at the time when I was trying to understand it better and make sure that this agency wasn't ripping us off. (laughs) So I was listening to podcasts. I know there's a couple of podcasts that are out there now that I've seen recommended. Like I think it's called the Paid Search Podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes and it's pretty good. Anyways, I was kind of diving in the account, trying to see how they were doing things. I remember Harry Marshall's name kept coming up on my online searches. I guess he's a good marketer. And so when I went and started my own business, Spy Guy, right? I remember buying three, maybe four different paid ads books. And so one of them was Google Ads, Ultimate Guide to Google Ads, I think is what it was called by Pear Marshall. 
it gets updated every couple of years and it's really, really good. I think it's a great starting off point. I don't agree with everything that's in it, but I think it's a great starting off point. And it's not that he just teaches you about how to like run a paid ads campaign in Google. He teaches you like marketing basics, like just the classic marketing stuff that everyone should know. And I think that's a great starting off point. Also about Google ads for dummies, or maybe it was PPC ads for dummies. I don't remember. And then there was another one by a guy named Richard Stokes. I don't remember the name of the book offhand, but it was kind of like, if those first two books were intro books, this next one was like a next level kind of book. And I remember it being quite good. I just can't remember the name of it offhand. And I just read those books. And I read a lot of blogs. And I listened to a few podcasts. And I remember visiting Reddit to see what was going on. And there's a pretty active PPC subreddit and seeing what was going on in there and just piecing it all together, I suppose. And then I guess the final thing that really threw it over the edge for me was after I'd started Spy Guy, probably like two months after, I wasn't making enough money to replace my full-time job, right? And so I remember going on Craigslist and just seeing if anybody needed help with e-commerce related stuff. And I found a guy that he was looking for a PPC apprentice. He was just working out of his home in Frisco, Texas. And I'd drive over there and help him manage some major accounts that he was running. Like I remember at the time he was running Seize Candy, like paid ads for Seize Candy, which I'd never heard of. <laughs> he just re- and he didn't know anything about it either. He was just like, oh yeah, they're like a big, you know, candy chocolate brand out on the West Coast. And then it's like owned by Berkshire Hathaway, apparently. But he was running ads for them and Simple Human, they do like um, home goods products. And I was in those accounts and seeing how he managed things and helping him with that. And he kind of helped me with my ads. And uh, so, I guess so you literally get, you go to, you, you get an apprenticeship from somebody who's an expert in, in, in AdWords. And you're yeah. just literally like sitting in this guy's house, looking over his shoulder as he's running campaigns. Yeah, definitely. His kids would like coming in and interrupt us or his dogs would come in and start like biting at my ankles and uh like his wife would be downstairs having breakfast and i'd pull up at like 9 a.m and we'd be working for like a couple of hours and it was like a 40 minute drive each way and so i'd listen to podcasts about paid ads or like um tropical mba was like a pretty integral podcast for me as well and uh yeah it was a great education do you think other other founders like should go and learn that channel and like go as deep as you did or like, can't, can't you just hire, like, could you hire an agency to do that for you? You could definitely hire an agency to, to manage that stuff for you. I'm not big on agencies at all, though. I've had, I've been burned a lot. I know a lot of other people that have been burned. I have had a good experience. I actually, probably a year after I started Spy Guy, I was uh, at an e-commerce conference. And prior to the conference, I looked through the list of people who were going to be there. And there was one guy in particular that had been posting on um, a forum that I'm a part of, the e-commerce field forum. And I remember liking his post a lot. And it seemed like he knew a lot about ads. And at the time, I was really stressed out running our ads because it was just taking up so much of my time. I was still a solopreneur. I was going to the post office every day to drop off packages. And my second bedroom in my apartment was like just loaded with inventory all over the floor. I wasn't smart enough to get shelving in there. It was just all over the floor. And um, I met up with him. I eventually outsourced everything to him to do my ads. And I used it for like four years. And it was fantastic. Um, I think I had, uh, that's an abnormal experience <laughs> for a lot of e-commerce store owners. But I was friends with the guy we got along great personally. And so I think I did have a little bit of a special treatment kind of thing going on. Definitely had a special pricing going on too. 
Um, and then, uh, uh, and so to answer your question, I would not just for paid ads, but for pretty much every aspect of a business is like, don't just say, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to hire somebody to take care of it. You need to at least learn the basics so that when you hire somebody to, to do it, you know if they're doing a good job or not. And that's always been my rule. I've broken it a couple times and I always get burned by it. So I, I try to at least get a base level understanding of what's going on. I love that advice. I, I've, talked about, I, I've, I've talked about this like just from a straight up marketing perspective where like the, the people that I've hired that I failed at hiring are marketers that I, that I had no experience or the company had no experience with that role before. So like, hey, we need a conversion rate optimization person. Okay, well, nobody's ever done that at the company and I've never done it before. That's when I've had the biggest blind spot for like bringing on the right person. If it's like, hey, we, I, I ran events on my own for the first year and then hired an events manager, like that's been like a really proven formula for success. So it's just, it's cool to hear that from your perspective as a, a business owner. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to follow that up with something intelligent, but no, my brain just died <laughs> on me. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm over here trying, I'm just like fiddling with things as it's going on. So if you can't, um, okay. So you, I, I had scribbled down like my follow-up question, which was going to ask you like what you look for in an agency, but, um, how here, do you, I, I mean, I'll answer that. Um, because I haven't ruled it out entirely. Um, if the right agency comes along or I hear something or I need something that's like pretty specialized and I just don't, can't um, put it on my plate, maybe I'll get a baseline understanding. Right. And I might ask a friend of mine who's more experienced to kind of help me with that. And then I might seek out referrals. I think referrals are the way to go. If you're going to hire an agency, you know, all of us e-commerce store owners, we like to get together and talk about things, try to find somebody that, you know, really enjoys working with their agency and is willing to refer you. Uh, I, I think that's probably the only way I would hire an agency these days. Uh, I don't think I would just approach somebody that I've never worked with or that a friend of mine hasn't worked with. It's just not worth my time trying to make that happen. Learn it in parallel. Like, don't just fully give away the keys to somebody, but like you, um, yeah. sorry, go like you, you at the same time, like are, are learning enough to be dangerous to push back and say, no, that doesn't seem right. Can you look into that? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be able to look at what they're doing and see if you, uh, if, if everything makes sense to you. And if it doesn't, you got to have them explain it. So is, is, as AdWords your only advertising channel that you're using right now? So, um, AdWords being like, so <laughs> you have the text ads, which I guess everyone considers AdWords. And then you have like the uh, Google shopping ads. So both of those, it's like 50-50 for us, I guess. Um, those are the two big ones. And then also um, just the other platform is Bing, right? Um, not nearly the amount of search volume as Google, but uh, there's still good traffic and good sales to come from that. And so they have the text ads and they have the product listing ads as well. Um, we tried doing Facebook... Um, for a long time we had had retargeting going and yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of works. <laughs> um, but then we actually tried making cold traffic work and it was such a huge disaster. I lost so much money on it and it was just like a really, uh, awful experience. Um, email marketing has been really helpful for us, uh, over the last year for the first like five years of my business, we didn't even bother emailing anybody at all. Um, <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny reason too. Uh, so most of our customers are trying to be discreet, right? Like they're trying to find out if um, 
their kids doing something or like which employee's stealing stuff or like, is my spouse cheating on me? Or I think my mom is being abused in an Alzheimer's facility, like all very sensitive subjects. And so a lot of our customers, they want to make sure that our packaging is discreet. They want to, um, a lot of our customers get upset when they just get an order confirmation. <laughs> They're like, Hey, I shared this email account with my wife. Uh, now she knows that I bought this thing. I need a refund. And so I was like, all right, we're not going to email anybody because I don't, I also don't like getting email. And so I took my like own personal preferences and immediately applied that to all of my customers. And that's just not the case at all. That was such a wrong belief to have. And so we didn't email anybody for like five years, except for like Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. That was really it. So not even, not even a transactional email. So if I, if I ordered something. No, we still I, had those. We just dealt okay. with everybody that emailed us back and we're like, Hey, why don't email me at this address? And then I'm like, well, why didn't you just set up a burner Gmail? Or whatever? Right, right. It's not actually your fault that you sent an email to the email, which no, they gave you to check out. It's um, not, but people still got upset. So I was like, all right, okay. we're just not going to email anybody. I want to go back. I, I want to ask some more stuff about email, but I want to go back to you. Something you mentioned cold traffic just didn't work for you guys. Um, and by cold traffic, you mean like, you know, Facebook to an audience that doesn't know right. you. Okay. Why do you, do you think that's true because of your, like just because of your product fit or do you think there's something you, you could find, you could crack there? I think there's a lot of variables and I'm not sure which ones really played a part in it. And so um, like if you want the details, um, I had this agency that I worked with for like four years. They did all my Google stuff and like some Facebook retargeting, right? And um, I had kind of, we came out with this new product, right? It's called Scout. It's a hidden camera detector. And we were trying to market it towards people who travel, right? Because I was getting these Google, Google alerts all day long about people who are finding hidden cameras in Airbnbs and hotels and that sort of thing. Um, it was a really hot topic before this virus broke out and everyone stopped traveling. Um, and so in the fall, I went to my agency and I was like, hey, I really think that this is like the first product that we sell that is applicable to a larger audience. Because our audience up until that point is people who actively sought what we were looking for, right? And um, there's just not like a, a demographic that you can target that needs spy gear. Like, it's just not a thing. We, we had tried like lookalikes. We tried other stuff and just trying to put our products in front of people. And it just was not working at all. And so I'm like, this is the first one that we can actually get regular people who don't need spy gear, but are concerned about their privacy when they're staying in a complete stranger's home. Like, I think, and, and they're hearing these stories in the news too. So, you know, let's give it a shot. It didn't really work out with them. Um, that, that agency I've been working out for, been working with for the last few years. And so um, I'm on Twitter, you're on Twitter. Um, D2C Twitter is super hot and people love sharing screenshots of like the ROAS they're getting on Facebook and their Shopify sales. It's a load of crap going on on Twitter. Uh, and I guess I got a little allured by that, seeing all these people that were marketing themselves as like D2C Facebook marketers and posting these sweet, you know, 7.0 ROAS screenshots from Facebook. And uh, I went ahead I, I, and said, okay, I'm going to switch to an agency that um, just really focuses in on Facebook because I didn't think that my other agency really did that. 
they did the Google thing well. Maybe they just didn't do the Facebook thing well. And so I audited like five different agencies. And um, this is where I broke that cardinal rule of learn, get a baseline understanding. I decided, you know, I'm busy with product development. I'm busy with all this other stuff in my business. And I just don't want to learn Facebook ads. I'm just not interested. I don't like Facebook to begin with. So I don't want to deal with that. And uh, I end up picking an agency out of the five. And I'm really excited. And um, basically, I, uh, the whole thing was just a complete disaster. <laughs> so first of all, it was a very expensive agency. And I'm happy to get into prices and everything like that if you want to. Um, yeah, and I, think it makes it, I think it makes it realer if I'm listening. It makes to it realer. And, real. Yeah, yeah. and oh. people listen to this. Or you, some people are going to be appreciative. Other people are going to say, dude, this guy's an idiot. Why is he on this podcast? So this... Uh, well, they, those are the same people that have this, the 7X ROAS. So they don't need yeah, to help yeah, anyway. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. So we have this product and uh, I'm like, all right. I've found this agency. Let's get going. And so this agency costs uh, a lot of money. And it's going to be $10,000 per month. All right. And uh, I signed a contract. Everything's cool. They're like, hey, we, we need photographs of your products and stuff. All you have are white background photos on your website. We need like lifestyle shots. I'm like you need lifestyle shot of like a hidden camera or like a voice recording pen. Like do I just lay the pen on a desk? Like I just didn't understand what that was at all. And on top of that, I thought they were going to be doing that for me. Well, guess what? I go back and I look at the contract and it doesn't include content creation. They, they're not actually going to create any, uh, take any photos. They're not going to do any videos or anything like that. And I had thought that this was like an all-inclusive kind of thing. Like, I thought you guys were running the Facebook ads, right? I thought you were going to create these ads and that you were going to target the right people. The targeting is where I thought, you know, is why I really needed them. And, uh, uh, yeah, basically they're like, yeah, we're not going to touch the, we're not going to touch the content. Uh, at all. You're going to have to create the content. And guess what? That content, you're going to have to keep making new content because eventually these ads are going to run their course. And uh, I'm like sitting over here, I'm focusing on product development and uh, I'm already freaking out because of uh, the coronavirus in, in China. This was in early January. I'm watching all of this stuff unfold in January and I'm thinking about my uh, supply chain problems and my factory that are about to shut down. And these ad guys that are costing me $10,000 a month aren't uh, actually like creating the content on Facebook for me. And so um, they, they set up all these audiences and um, it's just a disaster. We're not even getting like a two row ads, which is basically what we need just to like break even, right? We end up losing a ton of money over the course of like a... And I'm really speeding through this because I know there's a limited amount of time, but we basically spent like $33,000 in ads and we got back about 18,000 in sales. Okay. So already we've lost a ton of money just on cost of goods sold. Yeah. It's a total disaster. And then you got to factor in the fact that I was with them for three months and uh, that cost me $30,000 in uh, agency fees. So it was a pretty massive hit. And so you spent, you spent 60, you spent 63 total and made 18 back. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and I felt pretty good about it. I thought, I thought I had audited like five different agencies and for whatever reason I decided that this was the best one. <laughs> and, um, 
I don't know. Look, I, I ended up hiring like uh, three different people to do an, like an autopsy report and just tell me what went wrong because I thought I knew enough that I was making a good decision. And I really thought the product was going to take off, right? And it didn't take off at all. Um, I'd even thought about doing like, well, I didn't just think about it. I had to build out landing pages for these guys. And so I didn't really know what price that this, pricing is like a really complex thing. Like pricing is so much harder than I realized. This was the first product that we'd actually made on our own. I've always been a reseller, right? And so I was like, I don't know what price to do it at. And maybe we should just make three different landing pages. And so we made three different landing pages at three different prices, right? Like one was 99 bucks, one was 75, and one was just uh, 49, just to see what would happen at those different pricing tiers, right? And uh, just none of them worked. We could only get like seven conversions a week or whatever on this product, which wasn't enough to get it out of the learning phase and to scale it. And uh, yeah, it was just such a disaster. I'd hired three different people to do an autopsy on it and find out where this agency went wrong. Were they not as good as I thought they were? Did I make a horrible hiring decision? Like, what was it? And uh, yeah, it just, even after all of that, looking at it, it's just like kind of inconclusive (laughs) because um, there's just too many variables um, that are involved. So both the the content played a role, the audiences played a role. this we ended the contract like right when all of the traffic st- uh, travel stops, and so like our key audience that we thought would be interested in this product just wasn't traveling anymore and didn't need it. I don't know. It's just a big disaster, and I'm still like really conflicted over the whole thing. I I mean that that's part. Unfortunately, like that that is part of the game. Sometimes is like you know with with an agency. Do you think Do you think if you knew that they weren't going to do the content creation, you would have stopped it at the time? If if I had realized that they were not going to be doing the content creation, which by the way, this was just like slipped in to like the terms and services in there. Um, I, I thought I read that pretty pretty well, but apparently I missed the part about content creation. Um, if I had known that they weren't going to do that, I never would have done it. Absolutely would not have done that because I'm not a content creation kind of guy. I don't have the time and the... Um, I don't. I think I could, if I had the time to do it and be creative and be thoughtful and like create good content for these Facebook ads, like sure. But I have a million other things going on. It's just me, and then I have three customer service people, and then I have a guy that like kind of fills in the cracks where I can't get to things. Right? We're still a pretty small company, and my time is better spent on product development, marketing. Um, myself, like getting on podcasts and trying to build backlinks and uh, getting more traffic through other means and closing government contracts and a million different things. Content creation was not something I wanted to do. And it, it really bummed me when they told me that I'd have to like get in front of the camera and figure out how to make a, how to make a hidden camera tie look interesting to somebody that's on Facebook. That was not what I wanted to be doing with my time. Yeah. And, and, and like, it's not like you had creative because your funnel has basically been all like search driven. And so you probably haven't needed yeah, a lot exactly. of creative, right? Like we were still writing uh, product photos on a white background that I took like five years ago. Right. And they were performing fine. Um, 
I mean, I guess now we have a lot of content because <laughs> I had to go and make all of it. And we've been using it like in the emails that we've been sending and whatnot. Um, but to have that thrust upon me when I had a million other things going on that I'd rather be doing. And I hired this agency to take care of that, right? I didn't want to, I thought they were going to be doing it all. And at, later on, I made a big mega post in an entrepreneur forum that I'm a part of. And all of these Facebook marketers commented on there and they're like, dude, for 10,000 bucks, they should have been doing everything and they should have been top tier. And they just weren't. Well, I appreciate you sharing that here because I, I think, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. I've been yeah. there. I've hired agencies and, and, you know, the hard part about an agency is that um, an agency isn't you and it's like, they can sound really good on paper, but to like, Hey girl, uh, but to, but to replicate like who you are and what you do and take that. Yeah. For somebody who's, who, who hasn't been inside. Yeah. And I mean, everyone loves, you know, the highlight reel, right? That's what everything online is. It's a highlight reel. And so you don't hear about people who got burned for however much money I, we determined that I lost earlier. And so I guess that makes it a little bit more real. And uh, from an ego standpoint, it kind of sucked too, because I'm riding the high of like being on the Tim Ferriss show and hearing from all of these people who, you know, loved the story and that it was inspiring and all these opportunities that came along. And then I'm taking freaking product photos for Facebook ads like a year later. It's really not cool. Yeah. And, and if it's just you, you got to spend the time on the, on, you got to double down on the stuff that you, that you're great at and somebody else can do that. So yeah. you mentioned like that it is just you. And I think this is true for a lot of people that listen to this show, like solo founder, you know, solo guy, you also got to do marketing and product and packaging and you got support people. Like how do you like of that time, how much of it do you spend on marketing? And like, what does that actually look like? Like, where, do, where does your time get split? Yeah. So, um, well, after that agency, um, our contract ended back in March, I took over all of the advertising stuff. And so I just shut off Facebook completely. And then I kind of had to relearn Google ads. And so I went back um, over the books that I bought like six years ago, because although some small things might have changed, like it's largely the same. Like Google Ads still pretty much works the same. It's just actually a little bit easier to run, to be honest. And so I relearned that. I was spending, you know, probably like three hours a day just in the ads editor, like at, uh, making changes to campaigns and whatnot. But now they're like pretty much done. And so I just review what's been going on in ads, like maybe two hours a week total. Like it really doesn't take that long to do the Google stuff once it's done. Um, and then what, what was the question mostly? Just how much time do I spend? Yeah. Like what, what is, what is marketing for you guys? Like is marketing, okay. like is, is your, is acquisition for your business literally just like you just run Google ads and the business runs? Like there's, I, my guess is there's more that you're doing from yeah. a marketing perspective. Yeah. There's, there's a bit more. So, um, we have a content writer. Um, we've been trying to get, um, more organic traffic, right? Because we spend a lot of money on ads. And for whatever reason, we've just never really been able to rank, um, even though we have like this great backlink profile. And so it basically comes down to, um, we just don't have a whole lot of written content that's on our website that's targeting particular keywords that people are looking for. And so we hired a person and 
um, what we did was we sat down with pen and paper and I came up with like 100 different ideas. Well, 123 different ideas for articles that we could put on our blog. And that includes things like how-to guides, ultimate guides, simple, um, like just fun little articles to read, like uh, five things you need to know when hiring a private investigator or like five reasons not to hire a private investigator. There's all sorts of really interesting content in our space and we haven't done anything. My website was literally just buy my stuff. And is it on uh, Shopify? It's on Shopify. Yeah. Okay. And so we hired somebody to just write all of this content and, um, and it's really good content and we're throwing it up on the website. We'll build backlinks to it. Um, a lot of time I, up until recently I was pretty active on like help a reporter out. Um, because that's actually like how I ended up getting on the Tim Ferriss show was I responded to somebody who was doing a, a horror request and it got me in Forbes. And then I was able to get that Forbes link in front of Tim Ferriss. And, um, that's how I build backlinks is I look for people who are, I mostly just focus it on my, not on spy guy because nobody's covering the surveillance industry really. Um, instead I make it about me. And so I build backlinks that way. Um, I just do it off of my personal story, my entrepreneurship. So yeah, just so so for anybody listening, it's help the it's helpareporterout.com and basically you can sign up and get daily emails from um, reporters, people who have blogs, contributors who are looking for articles. And so, like if I was a contributor to Forbes, I would post something that's like, "Hey, I'm writing an article about you know podcast microphones. Like, send in your best tips," and then you can comb through that. And it's and it's free. Like I, I've 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 known a ton of ton of people that have like cleaned up with some PR, like make, make that part of your routine, like spend five minutes a day, dig through Harrow. If there's something interesting, respond to it. And and if not, you can just ignore it. But like, I've heard a yeah. ton of stories just like yours of people who have landed stuff like that. Yeah. You got to wade through a lot of crap, but uh, every now and then you'll find like a gold nugget and you, you got to go after it and you can so, get a really good link that way, really good coverage and you can piggyback like it, it snowballs. Right. And so now that I was on, Tim's podcast, it's like pretty easy for me to get in front of somebody because I, I could say I was on the podcast and then they'll instantly know that I'm like credible. Well, of course, mar- marketing is about, you know, marketing is like a game of attention, right? And, and if people say like, oh, this is Alan, he was in Forbes. Okay, that's, that, that's a sign of social proof and, and like he must be legit. Okay, now you can add Tim Ferriss to that. So now you say, oh yeah, hey, I've been featured in Forbes and on Tim Ferriss. And it's like, oh, well, why is this guy not on you know, our podcast? Or that's, gotta, yeah. that's probably your, your pitch now, right? Like, Yeah, pretty much. I can just say that. And then, <laughs> I mean, my Twitter account, uh, like my pinned post is like my link. Uh, to my episode on Tim's website, right? And so I, yeah. I get a lot of people that message me because they saw that and people who follow me. And um, yeah, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great piece of like social proof, I guess, or authoritative from, proof. From, from, an, from an, on, the, on the SEO side of things, so are yeah. you, all those content ideas that you came up with, like did you start a blog and those are going to be blog articles or are they pages on, on the site? Like how did, how did you actually think about structuring that from a site? Yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about that because the Shopify blog sucks. Uh, (laughs) it's so bad. And we were trying to decide like what we were going to use as far as like a, like a CMS for all this content that we're writing. Are we going to create individual pages in Shopify? Are we going to use the Shopify blog? Are we going to use a subdomain like that's on Webflow or like a friend of mine just rolled out this app. Um, that it's like a, it's called drop and I'm not pitching it. Uh, uh, it's called drop and blog. And basically it's like a 
better Shopify blog, right? And so we had like four or five different ways that we could do this. And ultimately, we decided to use the Shopify blog um, because um, it just, it does what we need to do, right? We need to have a page where we can throw up content, add in a few pictures, and then that's it. Is it the best system in the world? No, but I'm really focused on uh, getting... um, Right now, I'm just focused on getting the content up on the website, getting it indexed, and seeing what happens. And then I can always are, are, correct course. Are there later product on. links? Are, are there product links in those posts, or is it straight up like no sell at all? Yeah. So uh, if there's a way to link to a product um, based on like whatever the content is about, uh, or to a category page, then we'll go ahead and put a link in. Uh, when we had our theme done, and I think a lot of the the templates that are available on the app store for Shopify, um, they have ways of inserting products into the product page now where it, it's not just like a text link, right? It's an actual photograph of the product and then you can have the name of the product next to it and then the add to cart button next to it. Or like you can make that button like go to the products page. So it looks better than just having like a little blue underlined link in the article. Yeah, and so ours ours look like that. Like if if we have a piece of content and we can actually inject like a little product block that allows people to see that product and then click on it to go into the product page. And and do you care about like if that stuff is driving revenue? Like how are you how are you thinking about measuring it? So um, the plan is to it, we so SEO kind of feels like voodoo to me to be honest, because I've never had like a site rank, right? And it takes I, a long a time. Friends. It's like, hey, do all this stuff now. And in 18 months, you're gonna like, I yeah. promise you it's gonna pay yeah. off. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a hard sell, right? Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of why I put it off for so long um, because the Google Ads thing was just working so well from us. It was like, basically, I didn't do anything to inspire our website for like a two to three year period. And it was just like, I woke up in the morning and like, um, oh, wow, we're already like at that many sales for the day. Like, I don't have to do anything. And I actually like got depressed kind of (laughs) because uh, I was making enough money and I didn't have like the motivation to like grow the business and do SEO. And so now I'm paying for it now. And um, yeah, so with the SEO thing, basically what it is, is like, I just want to get the content out there. Let's just 80-20 this thing. Like, I don't, the content might not be perfect, right? And I don't want to write it, but I found a writer that can do it good enough and throw it up on the website We'll just go into Ahrefs, right? The STO tool. And we'll find out, um, well, you, you have a, diff, a couple of different ways to approach it, right? You can either like go to a competitor's website and see what their highest ranking pages are and the, high, the keywords that they rank for and then like reverse engineer it that way. Or you can start off and like open a Google sheet on your computer and be like, oh, okay, I sell hidden cameras, GPS trackers, and then build keyword lists that way. And so, um, I mean, we did a mix of both of those. We came out with a bunch of keywords and we're like, okay, can we make a piece of content that is based around this keyword? Or is there a content idea that we came up with just on our own? And are there any keywords that are relevant to that piece of content? And so we'll toss the keywords in there, just optimize it, throw it up on the website. And the plan is just see what happens in three months, right? Um, Everyone talks about like content promotion. I don't really know how we're supposed to do that considering nobody's like really super interested. Oh, that's the other thing with like <laughs> Facebook ads. Um, like a lot of people, they, they don't want to talk about our industry, right? And they don't want to share this with friends. And so that's another 
problem we have with our company is that nobody wants to tell their friend that or post on Facebook and say, hey, I got this great hidden camera from Spy Guy. Like, it's just not a thing at all. And so um, there's just nobody that's covering our space online. Nobody's covering surveillance or, or spy and surveillance equipment. I've looked. If anyone knows anything, let me know. Um, but throw this content up, see what happens. Just do a lot of um, internal linking. So make sure the articles are linking to each other. Make sure they're linking to products um, and category pages. And then just waiting like a few months and seeing what happens. And the way that we're going to know if it's successful or not is, well, we have Google Analytics. And we could see if, you know, do we have more traffic coming in? Is organic traffic taking up a bigger percentage of the pie uh, than it was early, previously? We're, are we getting more sales from that channel? And so the goal is just see the organic traffic channel grow and see what happens with sales and see if our rankings go up. Um, and, and we're using Ahrefs to monitor that as well. Love it. It's great, great advice. Uh, okay, this is the last thing I'll ask you, but you sure. mentioned before, um, you said, hey, all of us e-commerce store owners, like we all kind of like to get together and hang out and, and talk, talk shop online. Just share with the people that listen to this, like what are some of the places, groups, things that, that those people hang out where like they could go, like where you've learned a lot from. I know you've mentioned some like e-commerce fuel and others, but just recap some of them. Okay. E-commerce fuel um, started as a blog became a podcast. And I think like in 2013 or so, they opened up a private community. And it's mostly six and seven figure entrepreneurs. There are some eight figure entrepreneurs in there who are really cool. Uh, I think they have like over a thousand members. And I, I don't know what the monthly pricing is right now. It's probably like a hundred bucks a month. And you get access to like this really super high quality, very active forum of e-commerce operators who know a lot. And they do a live event every year. And it's absolutely fantastic. Like one of the best events I go to each year. Uh, the second community that I'm a part of is uh, the Dynamite Circle or the DC for short. That's another private community that spun off of a podcast called Tropical MBA. And uh, that's not exclusively e-commerce. That is anyone who runs a location independent business. So they have online teams. They do business online. They can work from their computer anywhere in the world. And there are a lot of e uh, there's some D2C brands in there. There's dropshippers. There's Amazon people. There's YouTube personalities. Like Eric Banholz is in there <laughs> uh, from Beard Brand. Um, really cool community. And you get a lot of different perspective from other, uh, other industries that can be applicable to e-commerce. So you, you kind of get new ideas from these other industries that aren't really related to e-commerce, but maybe like they have a marketing tactic in that industry that can apply. Um, Podcasts, can I rattle off a couple? Um, well, e-commerce field, Tropical MBA, Ecom Crew is a really great podcast. I like Mike Jackness a lot. Uh, and Dave over there, they're great guys. Um, gosh, am I going to have to open up my phone to see my podcast list? Uh, e-commerce Influence, Austin Bronner and Andrew Foxwell. So they're really good. They're heavy on email marketing and they're heavy on uh, Facebook ads. I, I like listening to those guys a lot. Uh, online communities, uh, I've already listed off a couple. Um, I like dipping into the PPC subreddit um, because there are a lot of uh, agency owners and um, people who work at agencies and they see a lot of data and they ask questions. And there's just, it's not like super high level discussion, but I still learn stuff from there. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Um, 
sorry, give me just one more second. I can think of a few. Um, if you're trying to learn something, uh, like if you're trying to learn uh, like a new digital marketing skill, I think the Ahrefs blog is really great. I used to go to the Moz blog a lot, but I can't remember the last time I was there. I did learn a lot about SEO like you know five, six years ago from their website, but I think Ahrefs has kind of like you know, done it better. And so I'd recommend them. Um, what else? What else? I don't know. I don't this know. is pretty good. Somebody, you're is gonna, it? Yeah, okay. this is pretty good. I, somebody's filling up a whole notebook right now. This is great. <laughs> okay, uh, Alan, this, this, this was good. This is good. I, 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 you could give me a thousand other things, but sure. what, what's the one, let's, let's end on this note. Like you, got, you have one piece of marketing advice to give to, uh, to you, you know, maybe three or four years ago. Somebody who, you know, maybe have a, a couple thousand dollars a month in sales, you're just starting to get going. Like what, what's the marketing lesson or marketing thing that you want to leave people with? I came across this idea, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. And I think about it a lot in the content that we write and the way that we give information to our clients. And I'm starting another business right now. And so I'm revisiting the... And it's like a totally different thing. It's a service-based company. But uh, there's this book called Story Brand that I think about a lot. Have you read it? Um, basically, um, your customer's going through a journey right? They, they've basically taken the hero's journey and applied it to, to marketing. And so I need to think of myself as basically the, uh, the guide, right? There's a customer who's the hero and my role as the guide is to um, give them what they need in order to fulfill their journey, right? And so I think about this, that concept a lot in every piece of content that we write and in this new business that I've been doing. And thinking about like, okay, what are their struggles? Like what problem are they trying to solve? You know, what's the reward going to be for them once they like get this product and they solve that problem? And I think it's a really interesting framework. And I'm doing, I'm not selling this very well, I don't think. I think it's a really interesting framework that people need to um, to think about when they're uh, marketing their business. And so we no, think you, about... No, it, it's so important. It's so important because like the, the story is everything. And I think a lot of people think like the story is just marketing, but the story influences like the products you build, that your, your brand, how you talk, how you write, how everything feels. And so like the, the story is the most important part. It's the narrative that drives everything that you do as a company. Yeah. And so we've done that with all of our... Um, like our customer avatars, I guess is what a lot of people call them. So like we, we have a lot of different customers that we serve. We have law enforcement, we have private investigators, we have people who, you know, their, their kid has autism and they think that um, they're like getting beat up at school. Uh, uh, all sorts of like really, you know, personal um, struggles, right? Our business owners who think employees are stealing from them. Um, all sorts of weird stuff. And so we've built out like a journey for each one of those customers. Like, okay, who's this person? They're a private investigator. Like, why did, what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to solve the problems for, you know, their clients. How do we help them with that? Well, we set them up with the best spy equipment that we can find and we teach them how to use it. And how are they going to benefit from that? Well, they're going to get a fat paycheck when it's all over and they solve their customer's problem. So we've did that with every single um, avatar that we have. And that came directly from the, the story brand framework. Love it. Even just having a customer avatar, like we're, we're doing that internally at Privy right now with like our ideal customer profile to have that yeah. person that you know, that everyone in the company knows, this is who you're building for. Like, this is what they, this is where they hang out online. This is what they, they, they look like. This is what they, 
think about. These are their, 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 their desires, their fears, their emotions. Like that's the real stuff about marketing, not just the, the tactics. Yeah. When I started, it was mostly just, uh, <laughs> hey, you need spy gear? I got spy gear. I can sell you that. And I wasn't really thinking, like I knew who needed it kind of, but my marketing wasn't you know, tailored for each individual thing that we have, we have going on. And, you know, it's kind of hard for my industry just because we have so many different clients that we need to target our stuff to. It's not like I can just target like young men, like, man, that'd be great. Like, I'm so jealous of Patrick at supply. He, uh, he sells razors (laughs) and I'm like, okay, like you, you got it easy, dude. (laughs) You know, I have a million different people that they, they, they probably have the opposite problem where like they're heavy on Facebook and probably it's tougher to compete on ad. Yeah, like. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, Alan, this was awesome. I could talk to you forever. Thanks for doing it. Uh, if any of this stuff is interesting, you may be deeper in the funnel, go and check out spyguy.com. Um, but don't sign up for his stuff unless you're going to actually buy it. Cause we don't want that. So <laughs> yeah. And if you have any, if anyone has any questions, I'm active on Twitter and I have like a personal oh, yeah, site, plug, Alan plug, Wall, plug your Twitter. Plug yeah, your Twitter. Uh, Alan, A-L-L-E-N, third, like spelled out, T-H-I-R-D. All the good handles are taken. Um, yeah, that's what I'm stuck Yeah, but with, you got but a great, you have a great, you have a great domain though. At least, at least you have yeah. a great domain. It's better to have a, a worse Twitter handle. Spy guy yeah. is great. <laughs> All, All right, man, Alan, thanks for doing it. We'll talk to you later. Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. If you like the show, like the content, especially if you're in e-commerce, have a Shopify store and you're selling things online, Shopify, big commerce, whatever you're using out there to grow your business, I want you to go to privy.com slash join. That's one place to get all of the content that we're putting out here, including the podcast, masterclass Q&As with experts, website teardowns, email teardowns, and all of the content from our blog twice a week. Go check it out, privy.com slash join.